Welcome to Chapter 3 of St. Nick and the Big F*** Up, a holiday audio drama in six parts. If you haven't heard Episodes 1 and 2, I would recommend that you start back at Episode 1. You can find it on your favorite podcast app or at the website stnickandthebigfup.com. I'm Phil Rickaby, the writer and performer of St. Nick and the Big F*** Up. If you enjoy this audio drama, please rate and review it at Apple Podcasts. And make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere you get podcasts. If you want to post about it on Twitter or Instagram, use the hashtag SaintNickFedUp. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. If you like this audio play, consider dropping some change in my virtual tip jar. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. And hang around for just a minute at the end of the episode for some important credits. There is a unique flow to each day in the mall. Unless you worked in one, you would never notice it. But anyone who spent any time in a mall working with people knows that it's true. And they know that on any given day, you can sense what the day will be like from the moment the doors first open. The first patrons set the tone and you can tell what the prevailing mood of the day will be. But wait! I hear you say. Isn't it more likely that it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy? Doesn't the first person set the tone because you believe that they will? And I can tell when you say that that you have never worked in a mall. Just like anyone who has worked in any kind of customer service can tell you the correlation between the phase of the moon and the level of crazy the customers will display on a given day, so anyone who has worked in a mall understands the first patron principle. I understand your skepticism. I didn't believe it myself until I started working as Santa. There is a mood in a mall and the staff can sense it from the start of their day. And the mall mood is the reason I got into the habit of walking through the mall before any Santa shift. So that I could get a sense for what the day would be like. There was always time to get a sense of this because... Santa doesn't start the day when the mall opens. That would be a waste of time. Because there are so few people in the mall at the early hours after opening, and malls hate to pay for idle Santas. To management, if there isn't a line, it's a waste of money, and also somehow your fault, like you aren't magically generating enough children-attracting rays that somehow generate an instant line of present-buying parents and their accompanying children. Mall managers aren't known for logic. They are small people, masters of their tiny kingdoms with no power outside their insignificant fiefdoms. The first person principle doesn't mean that there won't be assholes or terrible people in the day. There will always be those. But first person does give you a sense of what the day will be like as a whole. An idea of perhaps how many assholes you will have to deal with that day.
I used to know a kid who said that Santa should keep coming to the mall for the week after Christmas to take complaints. Now that I've been in the mall Santa's boots, I can say with certainty that this kid is what's wrong with society. Because you've been given a gift, a thing that was picked out for you, and all you can think about is complaining that it wasn't just what you wanted? That's not what I said at the time, though. What I said was, yeah. Because the kid who said it was my then best friend, Kyle. I say my then best friend, because once word got out about my mom's little Santa thing, Kyle became my chief tormentor. And while it's true that he didn't start the bullying, once it did start, he took to it like he invented it. It was Kyle that came up with the idea of fattening me up by stuffing cookies in my mouth. Every year, I learned to know that once the Santa Claus parade happened, it was time to brace myself because the next day, Kyle would be there with a bag of cookies. They say that kids can be cruel, but that's not quite true. Some kids can be downright demonic. Because these kids could have killed me. Kyle and his little gang of bullies would catch me on the playground and hold me down while Kyle would stuff cookie after cookie into my mouth until I started to choke. Kyle was a piece of shit. He tried to friend me on Facebook last year. Made me wish there was an are you fucking kidding me button to respond with. But back to Preston and his mother... I want a picture! I want a picture of my Preston with Santa! Preston was still screaming. He hadn't stopped since the ordeal had begun. His mother, however, was still standing in front of me, demanding a picture. I said, you're kidding, right? But the woman would not be dissuaded. She wanted her baby to get a picture, darn it, and there was nothing anyone was going to do to stop her. And here I was, with blood running into the mustache of my beard, and this lady wouldn't get the hint that her little shit just punched Santa, and now she wanted me to sit there and pretend to be happy about it? I was trying to figure out how she would explain why the Santa in her picture looked like he'd lost a bar fight when she pressed on. I want a picture. My baby deserves his picture with Santa. Her baby deserves a picture with Santa. I could feel it. I was going to fail this test. Before I knew it, Jenny was gone. She'd been in the bedroom a couple of hours, and I just kept sitting on the couch, knowing that I had fucked up, but not being able to face her. And then she left without a word. I didn't say anything. What could I have said to her? What could I do that would take the hurt away? There were no magic words that would do that, and I'm sorry just seemed empty. So I didn't say anything. She left and I didn't say anything. 
And as soon as the door closed, I knew that that was the wrong thing, that I'm sorry may have seemed empty, but it was the first most important step, that yes, I had hurt her, but I'm sorry was the bandage that would start the healing. It wouldn't have solved the problem, but it would at least start us on the path, but I had kept silent. Like an idiot. I called her right away. She didn't answer. Of course. I thought I'll, I'll give her some time to cool off. I waited an hour. She didn't answer. I, I understood. She, Of course, she needed more time than that. I waited a day. She didn't answer. Two days. No answer. A week. Two weeks. A month. Two months, three, six, still no answer. After nine months, I tried once more, but she still didn't answer. I um, stalked her on Facebook. That's the first time I saw the baby. A baby with my eyes, my smile, my baby girl. From the Facebook posts, I learned that her name was Ashley. She was so beautiful. I tried, I tried one more time to call, but Jenny still didn't pick up. Her silence was clear as if it hadn't been before. She didn't want me there. And I couldn't blame her. I'd hurt her and, and she couldn't trust me. How could she trust me after I'd hurt her like that? What, what could I do? Sure, I could try to get a lawyer and make her let me in that little girl's life, but would that be good for either of them to force my way into their lives? If I was her, I wouldn't want that. No. Better for all of us if I respect her wishes and stay away. And that was chapter three of Saint Nick and the Big F*** Up. Remember to rate and review this audio drama on Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think using the hashtag Saint Nick F'd Up. You'll find chapter four in one week. Music in this episode were excerpts from Krampus Workshop, Angels We Have Heard on High, and a very Brady special, all by Kevin McLeod, all released under a Creative Commons by Attribution license. Some sound effects in this episode were from Zapsplat.com. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week.